0: Not all journeys in real estate investing are a fairy tale, so join me today as Jules, a 30-plus-year police officer from Ontario, shares his stories from the early years where he made some mistakes to where he is today with his thriving real estate holding portfolio.
1: I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the First Responder to Rich's Remo Show, the podcast dedicated to helping first responders earn additional income and create lasting wealth through real estate. Each week, we'll break down complex concepts, debunk myths, and interview a variety of industry leaders to help you thrive beyond your professional calling. And now here's your host, top producing mortgage broker, real estate investor, and fellow first responder, scott sarai hey
0: jules welcome to the show
2: yeah thanks for having me scott appreciate it
0: yeah no worries uh like we're talking offline i heard your story on a different podcast and i liked it it resonated with me i think it would resonate with our listeners um so i thought i'd reach out to you and see if i can get you on the show so i know your story but our listeners obviously don't so why don't you tell our listeners about uh, yourself and what you
2: do my name is jules mckenzie uh, I'm a police officer for the Rama Police Service. Uh, we police the uh, First Nation territory of Rama and Casino Rama, which is a big commercial resort uh, within our patrol area. I have a combined uh, service of 34 years, 11 years with the uh, Ontario Provincial Police in various locations around Ontario. And for the last uh, oh, 24 years, or no, 23 years, I've been with uh, with the Rama Police. And uh, I'm I'm currently in the uh, intelligence unit. I'm a detective. Uh, my wife and I invest in real estate, uh, mostly uh, fourplex, fiveplex type stuff. We are endeavoring to get into more commercial. We have a commercial mixed use property. We also have a uh, straight commercial uh, retail property uh, that's uh, currently leased to uh, uh, a AAA corporate tenant. Um, it's le- leased on a triple net police basis. That's by, by far the best one. Um, I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, no, before we get into the real estate aspect, let's just kind of pick on uh, your current profession. So, out of curiosity, what made you get into policing? What was the draw for you?
2: I was, uh, oh, geez, way back. Yeah. So, I was in Cameron uh, College in uh, Sudbury, Ontario. I was taking a Native Child Family Care Worker program. Uh, my background is I'm an Indigenous person uh, from an Algonquin First Nation in uh, Kippah, Quebec, uh, 50 miles east of North Bay. I was taking a Native Child Family Care Worker program. I was in my second year, and I was kind of getting tired of school. Um, I didn't really see what I was doing was going to amount to a career that I could uh, be enthusiastic about. Um, there was a group of guys that I was working out with uh, at Goals Gym. Um, we would do some uh, some moving um some high level stuff and I saw an article in the Toronto Star they uh the OPP was doing their recruitment campaign back then and I said so how about that OPP thing and the guys I was working out with said man you'd be really good at that you should apply and I said oh really it's the OPP how do you know because we're all OPP officers <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even know that they were police officers but uh six months later I was reporting to the OPP Academy in Brampton Ontario that was November nineteen eighty-nine.
0: I won't tell you what my birthday is, but uh, that's crazy. You got, <laughs> you got uh, quite the background in policing and it's always it's always a pleasure uh, speaking to fellow first responders um, and especially across the, the platforms, policing, ambulance, and uh, fire. So before we get into what you're actually doing today in real estate, um, I think it's important and it's almost necessary to show our listeners or tell our listeners what steps you took to get there. So, uh, it's one thing for our listeners to to hear all these fabulous real estate moguls come on the show and talk about all the properties they have. But that's one side of the coin. And I know a little bit about your story. And there's always that other side of the coin. So um, what did you take as far as education or coaching uh, to familiarize, familiarize yourself with real estate? Because obviously, you were a cop, a police officer at one point, there had to been something or a catalyst in your life that propelled you to where you are now with real estate investor.
2: Absolutely. So I, I'm still an active police officer. Back when we transferred to the Aurelia area, I was a member of the Ontario Provincial Police, and I was brought down here to coach new officers for the, the RAMA Police Service. Came home from shift one evening, and there was this well-dressed uh, suit and tie man drawing circles on a, on a whiteboard, and that was my introduction to the Amway business. And uh, I, I really didn't know what I was getting into. My wife was so excited about this because she saw her family members in these circles. And uh, to make a, a, a painfully long story short, um, I actually read the books. I went to the seminars. Uh, I listened to the cassette tapes. That's how old I am. And uh, I started learning about personal finance and investing in business uh, at one of the uh, seminars. I was down in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I personally met Robert Kiyosaki, and I bought his game, uh, I bought his books, and uh, while we didn't make any money in the Emily business, we we got out after about uh, eighteen months to two two years, and uh, you know what do we do next? You know my mind was expanded, and I was uh, enthralled in the uh, personal finance and uh, business world. Uh, what do we do? What do we do? I saw a TV infomercial for an American company and I was coming up to run some courses in Mississauga, Ontario. And I told my wife, I could do that. You know, because she wanted me to get out. I was out cold calling cold contacting people, showing the plan, not getting any results. And But I saw that real estate ad and I said, we should do that. And that's how we got into it. Unfortunately, a lot of the techniques were not uh, specific to our Canadian and Ontario market. Uh, we got into a lot of financial trouble. We bought three properties uh, that needed renovation. One of the key aspects of this course was to buy rundown uh, real estate. We sure got that right, but we didn't have a plan to adequately renovate and uh, re-rent those properties. So uh, we maxed out uh, credit cards, lines of credit to buy courses and buy properties, but uh, we failed to uh We failed to execute, we didn't get the properties renovated in time to re rent, and uh, we carried a lot of debt for a lot of time.
0: Yeah, I think, like, if anyone's picking anything out of that, at least I am, is that it's not always perfect. Like, as first responders, like, I I would say, across you know the, the multiple uh facets, we all make mistakes, but we learn from them, and I'm sure. Uh, you learned tremendous amounts of, of things and, and aspects of investing in real estate from these mistakes, and I bet you, you probably never made those mistakes again going forward. Uh, so no, no. After that uh, weekend warrior course
2: that you did in Mississauga, was there any other real estate education that you took? So I I had uh, got involved with uh, an individual named Darren Weeks. He was running the Fast Track to Cash Flow, and it was based on the Robert Kiyosaki teachings and playing the cash flow board game. Um, we were in financial trouble and, um, I went to one of his events down in Toronto and, uh, he, he suggested that I, I go to one more seminar and, um uh, I said, man, there's like, I'm so maxed out now. I, you know, I'm not even sure if I can afford gas to go home. Uh, we're, we were definitely struggling living paycheck to paycheck and, um, he invited me to meet an individual named don r campbell because he wanted to open a rain chapter in ontario and yeah. i was like what the heck is rain so real estate investment network was the name of it uh don was speaking at a raymond aaron uh seminar in uh in mississauga again i remember telling my wife about it she was she was very uh very upset with the way things were going for us financially at the time. And she says, okay, you can go to this one more seminar, but don't sign anything, don't buy anything, don't do anything unless you check with me first. Yeah. And I said, absolutely, honey, you got it. And I went, uh, Don Campbell, um, see, I I was already into entrepreneurship and, and, and you know, putting myself out there. So I already had business cards that said investor on it. And uh, I was at the back of the room at this Raymond Aaron seminar. and Raymond was actually speaking and I was just kind of, in the back of the room hustling and meeting people and whatnot when an individual i didn't even realize i met was don r campbell gave him my card and he asked me where i was from and i said well i'm from a and i said oh isn't that interesting you're from Marillion, ontario hmm so i i didn't really know what that was about and uh you know he uh started talking he went up and started his talk and he was talking about uh economic fundamental principles you know uh population growth job growth in an area, transportation improvements. Um, he talked about some idea about uh, investing around the GTA, and we're not really part of the GTA up here in Aurelia, but you know we're close to it. He uh, talked about how the economic fundamentals is like dropping a rock in the middle of a, a giant pond and the ripple effect goes up the highway. And he was referring to Highway 400. So you know from the GTA, it would ripple up to Barrie, and then it would ripple up to Aurelia. And uh, he was talking about the top 10 towns. He talked about uh, Oshawa, Whitby, uh, and Pickering. He was talking about Cambridge, uh, Kitchener, Waterloo. He was talking about the Junction area of Toronto, which was a really bad area back then. And he talked about Hamilton. Hamilton, you know, the hammer. Uh, which Who is now. And then he started talking about uh, the number one area to invest in residential real estate at the time. And he said, if you're invested in this place, you have the most potential for uh, great uh, economic potential and growth. And that is Barry and Aurelia. And I was sitting with a group of strangers. I didn't even know them. I said, Did he just say the number one area to invest <laughs> is Barry and Aurelia? And he said, Yeah, dude, calm down. It's okay. I said, Man, that's so cool. That's where I live. I'm so excited. I can't believe it because I was so down. I was so beat up. I was broke, broken and I was just reinvigorated. I was re-enthused. Uh, I was so excited that to find out that the area that I was actually invested in living in was one of the number number one areas to invest in. And of course, I joined the Real Estate Investment Network right away. <laughs> with, uh, about 12 other people in Ontario. Yeah, And uh, I had to break the news to my wife when I got home. It was a few quiet evenings after yeah.
0: that. Are you still a member with Rain? Yes. Yeah. So for those who don't know, like Jules is talking like years ago when Rain was in its infancy, but now it's it's a monster. It's it's nationwide. Uh, I had a membership for a couple of years. there. phenomenal resources, and I think uh, JG and Patrick have now taken it over, and yeah. they run the day to day. But uh, there's a wealth of knowledge in that, and it's you know it's it's a drop in the bucket for membership cost to, to have access to that network like-minded individuals and people you can sound uh, ideas off. Because one thing I've noticed being an investor is that if your circle of people around you aren't investors, it's like talking to a wall. They're not going to resonate with you. They're going to tell you every idea is a bad idea. They're not going to see big picture. So when you surround yourself with these like-minded individuals, it might be a bad idea, but they're going to tell you it's a bad idea for different reasons. Um, okay. So you were doing the Amway, the upside down triangle you were doing, uh, you got into rain you had some properties in Aurelia. So as we progress here like what was what what did the middle years look like? Did you hold on to those Aurelia properties or what did you do with them over the next couple of years once you found out that that was the place to be?
2: So I I was uh immersed in uh, in learning the proper Canadian way of investing in residential real estate and certainly uh Canadian financing was a big part of that. Um but we still had to endure a lot of financial pain. We had to, we had to go through that stuff and we did, you know, and uh, we made a settlement with certain creditors and certain creditors got paid. And, you know, that's just the way it happened. Um, I continued working at, at my job as a police officer, taking overtime shifts and paid duties at Rama, And I would have a thousand bucks and I would take that thousand bucks and I'd go replace a window on one of the properties. And then I would replace some flooring on another property, and I would eventually get a, get an apartment rented, and uh, you know just just stretching and and struggling and, and growing. Um, one of the uh, audios that Rain put out at the time was by an individual named Tim Johnson. Tim Johnson was talking about uh, the joint venture aspect of raising capital to invest in residential real estate, and he said uh, it's very simple: uh, you work for your money, and your investors' money works for them. You get together, you form a joint venture, they put up all the money for the down payment and closing costs and a reserve fund, and you find a deal and you close the deal and you operate it like it's 100% of your own. And you collect the rents, you deal with delinquencies, you deal with the contractors, you issue them a monthly statement, and then five to seven years when the equity has gone up, then you can either refinance or sell the property, and then you return all your investor capital first and then you split the, the the new equity 50-50, and that's when we get paid. And I grabbed onto that like yeah. it was it was a uh, it was a a life vest in a turmoil in a storm when I I just fallen overboard. And uh, I worked that deal like you wouldn't believe. And at one point in the, our investing career in the early two thousands, we had over fifty five plus properties. Most of them were residential townhouses and uh we we operated those uh with a property manager and uh yeah we we uh we did pretty well i'll 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 let you keep asking questions to. so I' of,
0: of those 55 properties how many have you retained today so, so uh we're now.
2: hovering around 11 uh 11 properties um We saw we we eventually sold ones and twos of the townhouses uh, up to about 2015. Around 2015, some of my bigger investors that were invested in 11 and 12 properties said, "Look, I'm about to retire from my corporate job in the city, and I would like to get my my equity out." So uh, we had 22 of those townhouses left in 2015. Um, I decided, okay, I can go out and get financing, start my application process right when. OSPI decided yeah. that the best thing for investors in Canada is that they be only allowed to have five non-owner occupied mortgages. Yeah. When I needed twenty-two. Yeah. So uh, one of my investors uh, said, "Hey, listen, I'll buy you out of eleven units because I want to keep them, and you can find financing for their the other 11. I went to B lenders. You know, um, um, Meridian Credit Union stepped up to the plate. Uh, equitable Bank for for at least two years was uh, another uh, financier of mine, and then uh, a few years later, I was able to refinance them with uh, great financing from CIBC. CIBC is still my best friend. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to
0: pause there before you go any further. So for those who don't know, in 2016, the lending climate changed overnight. Uh, prior to the, the B20 rules. You basically had to have a pulse and you could get a mortgage almost 100% uh, loan to value on properties. After the B20 rules came into effect, uh, like Jules said, it it capped you at five uh, non-occupied doors, Uh, a bunch of other things. um, You had to have 20% down on a rental property. And since then, there's been, I think, 112 amendments to the B20 rules, not in our favor, kind of against since then. So from 2016 to today, 2023. Uh, so it's even harder now. And Jules, you mentioned a couple of B lenders. B lending, it's your non-traditional charter bank lending. There used to be a stigma behind it, but it's so common, especially in today where rates are high. Uh, a lot of our clients are going that B route because it just makes sense. But B lending, it's just not your traditional lenders. Uh, slightly higher rates, if not equal. And sometimes they have a lender fee attached if or they don't. Um, but nine times out of 10, uh, it's more advantageous for our clients to go down that road. Okay. So, so Jewel sold off the 11, he got financing for the other 11, then one played out after that.
2: Uh, we just, um, so one of, one of my dreams was to invest in an apartment building start investing in more uh, commercial multifamily properties. And then uh, somewhere along the line, my wife uh, reminded me that she had a dream to <laughs> Um, and she wanted to own a bed and breakfast, and uh, she'd watched the show, she'd read the books, and she found the perfect property, uh, an 1800s uh, Victorian home, uh, pretty south-central uh, Aurelia, and uh, this is the place that we're in right now. So we sold off the majority of those, uh, well, I guess all the, all the townhouses. We retained our small multifamily, fourplex, plex 5 type stuff, and we reinvested that capital into this uh, home and renovated into uh, four uh, rooms that we can rent out. And we do rent out on a, on a regular basis. Um, I rent out to some of my former OPP colleagues that come into Aurelia on courses. The OPP General Headquarters is here in Aurelia as well as the Provincial Police Academy. And uh, it's been good. Um, it's been tremendous, actually. Um, we, uh, we get enough. Uh, money from the revenue from renting out the rooms um, to cover our mortgage payment, uh, utilities, property taxes, and insurance. So, you know, that's the dream uh, right there. Yeah. So for the last uh, three, three years and a bit, uh, we have been living uh, pretty much mortgage and utility free and, uh, you know, just kind of stashing away the extra cash here and there. For those who know the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, and and basically,
0: Jules has accomplished everything that the Rich Dad Poor Dad talks about with finding those assets that that pay for your lifestyle. And uh, if to reference the book, like Jules could go buy that Porsche now, and it would be paid for by by his assets instead of a liability. So kudos to you on that. Um, so you got the the Airbnb rolling. Uh, to speak to your commercial properties again, how did you? Go from
2: residential into commercial. What was the the catalyst there? Like what pushed you into the commercial stuff? So um I I I personally do a lot of due diligence on my residential tenants and as best I can, but occasionally, you know, one or two uh bad apples will get through. Um with the struggles and the difficulties with the landlord tenant board, um, you know, my wife and I have talked about it many times. And it's like there's gotta be a better way. Yeah. And um uh, we, I, I endeavored on starting to to read books and and learn about uh, commercial uh, real estate um the uh, barion family wrote a book called commercial uh, real estate uh investing in Canada uh, that was my first book that uh, I started learning about it um and in there he, he talks about the triple net lease uh, commercial uh lease and uh essentially a business rated either a triple a double a or triple a will rent that will rent that space from you if it's retail or office uh, or even industrial and they'll pay for all the utilities they'll pay for the property taxes they'll pay for the maintenance they'll look at they'll cut the grass they'll do the whole thing and basically uh, your difference between uh, your rent check and uh, maybe if you got financing you know that's that's basically mailbox money and um you yeah. know we did a couple of those deals and it really is like by far the best it's it's uh it's no longer uh getting text messages about fussy residential tenant complaints it's about business we're going to talk about business when yeah. i talk to my commercial tenants that's it's it's much more mature it's much cleaner and uh, it's just uh, that much better so um I'm endeavoring to continue to learn about commercial real estate and uh, you know uh, at some point in my investing career, I want to go bigger. yeah no I mean as
0: a mortgage broker uh commercial financing and residential they're kind of two different worlds. so uh, I've stayed in my lane and perfected my craft and residential side. but the more I I talk to clients that have commercial holdings or the more I kind of you know read an article or, or get into the weeds on it, it really is attractive like you can get, 50 year AMs, you can get, you know, 5% down on these CMHC insured buildings. And then the triple net lease, like you explained it better than I probably would. To me, that's just the shiny object that's that's chasing me. Cause like you literally are are on the hook for the difference between the rent check and the mortgage payment and everything else is taken care of. Like for those who who have residential properties, they can probably resonate with you that there's you're not dealing with a tenant, you're dealing with a business. And sure, there they're probably are, are bad businesses, but I'm sure they're far and fewer between. Than bad tenants um so as of today what's the portfolio look like you have the th- is it three commercial buildings
2: um it's two commercial buildings one is a commercial mixed use property uh with uh two really really well renovated uh, apartments on top uh, and we were very uh selective on the uh, mature uh, single tenants that we put up there. The uh, business down below is is a hair, hair salon. Um, and it was a newer business that was started during the pandemic when, uh, these three employees had their, uh, salon closed down. So, um, you know, we, we, uh, gave them a chance. Um, the second commercial property was, is, uh, was, it is, we still have it. It's a uh, 5,500 square feet of retail space, uh, that's rented to a, uh, single corporate, uh, AAA tenant, um. My obligations in the lease uh, prevent me from sharing who that is publicly. Um, and I'm supposed to provide them quiet enjoyment. So I will respect that. Yeah, no, for sure, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I got to say like that, that uh, that was a recent acquisition uh, earlier this year in January. It was under power of sale. I can't imagine why anyone would let a property like this go under power of sale, but they did. Uh, we bought it at a 25% discount, And uh, we just went all in. Um, We had some equity and uh, we have a big home (laughs) equity line of credit. I mean, this house is, uh, you know, just a a little under a million and a half. And we didn't really have a mortgage, but we did have a line of credit. So we we, uh, financed it with our home equity line. Uh, We put our equity in. And a few months later, um, I got documentation from the bank that uh, had repossessed it. And I got the uh, phase one environmental. Shared that with my commercial lender, and I was able to refinance it and get uh, get my home equity loan uh, paid off. So that, what would your
0: LTV on the financing be for the,
2: the commercial space? Is it ninety five? No, sixty five percent. Yeah, yeah. It's still good yeah. though, right? It's still good. It's it's tremendous. Like, yeah, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, eventually one day I want to be able to pay that off as well. Yeah, and, and just continue on. Um, and we're talking a, a lease that uh, started out with uh, 25 years uh, we acquired this property and we're 10 years into the lease. So we got another 15 years to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, the corporate tenant uh, spent a million and a half on, on this retail space to make it their own. Yeah. So, so they're, they're, they're not going not anywhere. Go anywhere. <laughs> no.
0: Okay. So you're quite busy with the real estate side now to bring this full circle. How does this play out being an active detective and having this, uh, Robots real estate portfolio. How do you how do you manage it all? What's that look like day to day for you?
2: So it's uh, it's all systems, relationships, and follow through. So we have good relationships with uh, with contractors and plumbers and electricians. I can simply text them an address and a tenant phone number, and they can go and deal with it or whatever the issue happens to yeah. be. So that that is the cornerstone of our, our ability to or my ability to to work and and invest. Um, the thing about it, you go back and you talk about the Robert Kiyosaki stuff. There's a book, uh, he wrote called cashflow quadrant and it's a quadrant that has the ESBI. So I'm still on the employee side. Um, and I'm dabbling in the investor side of the quadrant. And, you know, as the book says that that's okay, you know, to, to continue to do that. But ultimately, you want to get onto the business side and the investor side. And that's yeah. where you know, the rich really get rich. Yeah. Um, I'm not there yet, uh, but I, I have the vision. I have the belief and I have the dream to to continue to, uh, you know, reinvest my profits uh, and grow the business. Um, I'm coming up to retirement after 34 years of policing. And it's coming up fairly soon. Um, I got, a, I got <laughs> accepted to the University of British Columbia. I'm going to take the urban economics program, uh, oh, beautiful. Urban program, uh, with the hopes of getting it accepted to the real estate degree program, and then from there, I want to open up my own um, corporate uh, REIT uh, investment trust type yeah. type of uh, corporation that I can publicly um, advertise my deals. And, I think uh,
0: I've, I've noticed like we've we've been doing the podcast for I don't know fifteen sixteen episodes now and. The more first responders that i speak to like yourself that are in your stage of the game like not career-wise but just real estate investing it seems like that's where the natural progression is as you get in on the single family residential play with that get tired of it get into the commercial mixed space, and then it works way way up to like the funding and the uh, the capital capital angle of things and i mean, you know i mean for i think first responders as a whole we're all executors like there's there's no nonsense like we get the vision we get the dream and we go for it. Um, well, that's some pretty crazy stuff. So you've, you've been doing this for, for ages. What's the sentiment been around work with your colleagues? Like, are they in favor of it? Are they they encouraging you? Are they, are they like just starstruck that you've done all of this real estate stuff while being an active police officer? What's that been like for you?
2: Depends who's working. So (laughs) I work Monday to Friday, eight to four, and uh, I see a lot of shifts. And uh, you know, as we were making our way up, we started. We've been investing since two thousand and one, and it was just night and day the reactions that I would get. Some people would say, "Oh, you're gonna bankrupt yourself. You're gonna lose all your money, and the tenants are gonna walk away with uh, with your house, and they're gonna smash it up." And then others were saying, "Wow, that's really interesting. You know, I hope it goes well." Um, You know, mixed mixed reviews. and you know, um, I've, I've given my coworkers the opportunity to invest. Uh, none of them have taken taken me up on it, which is fine. You know, yeah. that's their, that's their choice. Um, but I did notice over the years, occasionally one or two of the the uh, fellow police officers. <laughs> sorry about my dogs. No, I uh, some it. of the police officers would, um, you know, invest in one or two properties here or there you know, so they're catching on to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I
0: resonates to me what you're saying. Like they're, you know, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea and that kind of, I struggled with that mindset early on and it affected me a little bit, but now I'm just like, Hey, uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, people either are going to join in the movement or they're going to, um, have their opinions on it. And it is what, like I said, it is what it is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear that only a couple of police officers purchase properties and stuff. Um, out West, it seems like real estate in, in BC, it's, it's quite a, a game, so to speak. Like everyone, everyone talks about real estate. It's what's in the news and what's top of mind. So, so Jules, if you have time, can you stick around for our responder roundup? Okay. <laughs> hey, everyone, real quick. The responder roundup is brought to you by SGS Mortgages, helping Canadians achieve wealth through real estate. For a no-commitment 15-minute chat, go to www.chatwithscott.ca to see if we can help you. Okay, so the Responder Roundup, it's six lighthearted questions for our listeners to get to know you on a deeper level. Okay, question number one. What is one book that you've read in the last 12 months that you would recommend?
2: Uh, the Power of One More by Ed Milet. I've never heard of that one. Please tell. Um, Ed Milet is a... Um... You know, for lack of a better term, he's a motivational speaker and a personal coach in the United States. Um, We were on a layover in um, Orlando, Florida, and our flight got delayed eight hours. So I saw this book, he said, The Power of One More. And uh, I read it um, and I found out that he has a podcast on, uh, well, I listened, I subscribed to Spotify. So I started listening to his podcast in addition to reading the book and just uh, the success principles that he teaches and coaches are just tremendous. Um, Interesting. I wouldn't do it any justice if I tried to repeat uh, okay. some of the stuff. Okay,
0: question number two, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ah, uh, steak and eggs, brother. Yeah, steak and eggs, red meat guy. Uh, I'm a big quote guy, so do you have a favorite quote that resonates with you?
2: I was at an Amway seminar in uh, somewhere in the United States and I heard one of the uh, Diamond direct uh, distributors say, have fun make money and make a difference and that really resonated with me and still does yeah fair enough favorite movie of all time star wars star wars
0: interesting star wars
2: i grew up on a little indigenous uh, territory in uh, northwestern quebec and uh, i remember looking at uh, mark hamill's character luke skywalker and he was this young guy uh, looking up to the sun and the stars you know wondering what's out there for him and I and I really identified with that because I remember looking down the at the end of the dirt road where the the gravel turns to pavement wondering what was you know on the other side of that road yeah. what what the possibilities could be yeah,
0: well, I think you definitely exceeded expectations for sure <laughs> thank um, you sir
2: favorite city to travel to in your home province so I'm originally from Quebec and uh I love Montreal. hey, okay, Montreal is beautiful.
0: Okay, last question for you, Jules, and I'll get you out of here. One thing you purchased for under $1,000 has had a positive impact in your life, either personally or professionally.
2: Um, I bought a pair of uh, those uh, uh, Noble uh, CrossFit shoes. So I, I may not appear on camera to be, but I am a CrossFit athlete for the last eight years. I, I, was, waiting, to, I
0: was waiting for you to bring it up.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so um, I had a lot of fun uh, two weekends ago. Uh, we had a we had a, a, a virtual uh, online event with uh, some other gyms in the area, and uh, I was on a team of three. I don't know why, but they put me with the two superstars in our gym. But uh, what the hell, we knocked it out of the park. Yeah, we, we scored a, a third place uh, finish, and uh, that was enough for me. And I just
0: had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, yeah. I know I've been seeing your Instagram all the all the CrossFit stuff on there. I love it. Hey, Jules, well, much appreciated for you coming on the show today. Uh, where can people find you if they want to
2: connect? So my Instagram is mckenzie.jules, spelt M C K E N Z I dot i uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, uh, Mr. Jules McKenzie, spelt at uh, M-R-J-U-L-E-S, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. I'm also on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn on my own name, Jules McKenzie and uh barring that you know i think that's enough you can track yeah, down no. at one of those mediums
0: i'll put your details in the show notes okay jules it was great chatting and then when you come out to uvc let me know we'll, we'll meet up yeah sounds good scott thanks for your time
1: thank you for listening to another episode of first responder to riches We hope you found value in this episode and ask that you click the follow button on your preferred podcast platform. And please take a minute to leave a five-star review. Your feedback and positive reviews help us reach more first responders like you who are seeking financial freedom. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe, stay inspired, and keep investing in your future.